Hello fans, this is Justin Cox. Cameron Kennedy. And we are the Between the Uprights NFL Show. Well, last weekend started the run of the championship. We had wild card weekend. This Saturday, we, or we have uh, four games this weekend, uh, the divisional round, and we're in the thick of things. This is where things turn from good to great, and we separate the men from the boys. Um, so we got some games to go over. Got a surprisingly large amount of storylines to go over as well. Um, and, I mean, let's get to it. We got playoff football. First off, uh, on Sunday Night Football, Juju Smith-Schuster, the Steelers, said the Browns were the same old Browns. Maury determined that to be a lie because the Steelers end up getting their ass beat bad. Final score is 48-37 as Pittsburgh did manage to come back in this one, but it was 28 nothing at the end of the first quarter. What was your main takeaway from this game? First of all, I just want to say I hit this one right on the nail last week. I said, and I quote, the Browns will jump off to a big lead. The Steelers will try to claw back and they won't be able to do it. They didn't just jump off to a big lead. They jumped, they jumped out to a 28 to nothing lead from the very first play of the game. You could tell the Steelers were not prepared. And the fact that you lost to a team that didn't have their head coach were missing so many players due to COVID. They couldn't even practice. They had to, they had to do all their meetings through zoom. That's how they prepared for this game. If that's how you prepare after just doing zoom calls, by all means do that every freaking week. Yeah. Just not next week because I don't want you to beat Mahomes. It's just not going to happen. But I will say this defense showed up, and I will solely give that that win to that defense. Four turnovers, well, four interceptions. They had the turnover that resulted in a touchdown. And when your defense plays like that, all your offense has to do is don't make mistakes. Play a smart game. Big Ben looked frazzled. I saw one of the best memes ever today. It was uh, Big Ben crying like through the helmet, and it's like. When you when you push Antonio Brown and uh, somebody else away, and, no. and when you push Antonio Brown away, and all you're stuck with is the TikTokers. <laughs> 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 so, I mean, it was a it was a great game by the Browns. Cleveland deserves this win. It's been forever since they've been there, and the Steelers they need to they need to re not even revent this offense. They need to rebuild, and honestly. If you ask me, they need to go after Deshaun Watson with everything they got. Yeah, looking at the Steelers team, the thing that uh, caught me, I, I was completely surprised by how unprepared this Steelers team was because literally the first snap of the game, first offensive snap, the ball goes over Ben's head and uh, ends up being a defensive touchdown. And honest God's truth, you know what it reminded me of? Do you remember the Broncos Seahawks Super Bowl? Yes. The very first play of the game. Yeah. And the Broncos I, I got their asses kicked. I'm like, oh, shit, here we go again. Only that one, the Seahawks did not let Denver score barely anything. They only put up eight points. But, yeah. Yeah, I know. Because um, we were talking about that last night on uh, Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah. Um, the start of the game for Pittsburgh. Bumble touchdown, interception, punt, interception. That led to... Cleveland getting a 28 to nothing start, 28 points in the first quarter, which is a record for any playoff game for any quarter in history, by the way. Um, very, very impressive run from this team. They forced Ben to throw four interceptions, which, I mean, Ben's always been kind of a riverboat gambler, but it's very rare to see him 
end up with four interceptions. And to his credit, on the other side, Baker Mayfield had a very solid game himself. He was 21-34 for 263 and uh, three touchdowns. Ironically enough, now Baker Mayfield is, at least by age, the oldest quarterback left in the playoffs on the AFC side. So I think that's kind of interesting how this game ended up. Um, in the 425 slot on Sunday, the Saints beat the Bears. And I got to say, this one ended up being way closer than I thought it was going to be. It seemed like New Orleans really struggled to get separation. I'm going to let you go first on this because I am about to full-on rant mode. Okay. So, um, Breeze played decently. Um, he was 28-39 for 265, two touchdowns. Alvin Kamara had himself a decent game as well with Buck and the touchdown. And the, the thing, though, for me, looking at this game, was Mitchell Trubisky on the first offensive drive of the game for the Bears had a touchdown pass to um, Mims that got dropped in the end zone. And the second I saw that, I'm like, okay, this game's over. And despite that, it still ended up being 7-3 to three into the fourth quarter before the Saints were able to get separation. I think that was a really, really bad sign for the Saints team going forward. I all of a sudden, I seriously doubt they're a Super Bowl contender, and I thought they had one of the best rosters in the NFL coming into this game. Um, had Trubisky had better receivers and had that ball been caught, I feel like this would have been a tooth-and-nail type of game, and I wouldn't have even been surprised if Chicago would have won, to be completely honest. Can I right now? Go ahead. Fire fucking Matt Nagy, please. Please fire him, because you have to look at it. They barely let Trubisky throw the ball. And when he actually threw the ball, they moved the ball and almost scored. Yes, we had the drop touchdown. But even the last drive, when they actually let him throw the ball, they scored. You can't you can't just keep running the ball, especially against the Saints run defense, because they're really good. The run game was going nowhere. Your little screens on third and eight, third and ten that you've been doing all year, everybody knows you're going to do. Throw the damn ball. Let Allen Robinson eat. Let Mr. Trubisky get hot. Because honestly, if they were to throw the ball more this entire game, I think they should, they could and would have won. The Bears' defense, they held in as long as they could, but they got tired because it was three and out, 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 three and out. I put this entirely on Matt Nagy, and it's sad because I think, I think he's going to stay. I think they're going to give him a year extension so that him and Pace can finish their contracts together. But... I have serious doubts about the team. And even Trubisky called out the Bears after that game. He said, it's a culture problem. Words from the quarterback. Tell me. Also, can we just talk about how this game was on Nickelodeon? Did you watch it on Nickelodeon? Uh, I did not watch it on Nickelodeon, but we have got to talk about this. Because I was getting updates. and um, It looked really cool. That was interesting. It was really cool. Like the the green like lines and so the first down line they would have it and it would like slime go through it. And every time they scored, they had like a video effect that like slime cannons will shoot out into the end zone. Yeah, well, and Sean Payton got slimed after the game. No, he didn't. Seriously. Look it up. Oh, they Sean actually Payton. did it because they didn't show it. And we me and my buddies were watching at his house and we were waiting for them to slime in, but they never showed it. Sean Payton got slimed after the game. Uh, also, um, young Sheldon showed up to explain penalties Okay, and that, the, uh, and the upright was SpongeBob. Yes. Okay. So the young Sheldon thing was cool at first, but then it just got really annoying. 
Young Sheldon's been annoying since the show came on, let's be honest. And here's my thing. Why is that on Nickelodeon when that's an ABC show? No, CBS, CBS. Yeah, because CBS owns Nickelodeon. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is why this game is even being televised on Nickelodeon in the first place. Okay. Well, side note, by the way, can we get like a Nickelodeon Plus, please, to where we can watch old Nickelodeon shows? I'm down for that. Like Legends of the Hidden Temple? Like that, Drake and Josh. Oh, yeah. Freaking Rocket Power. Rocket Power, man. Oh, I, I love those shows as a kid. Oh, yeah. And you can't find them anywhere. Yeah. Drake and Josh, I think, is on Hulu, I think. Well, uh, there's plenty of narratives that are surrounding Drew Brees as this winds down while it's probably his final season. Another player that's got a lot of narratives is uh, Lamar Jackson, who managed to get his first playoff win over the Titans on Sunday in the 1 o'clock time slot. This one came down the wire. It's 2013. But it, when when the uh, going got tough, got to give it to Lamar Jackson. He came up clutch for the Ravens. But let me ask you something. Do you think he'll be able to do that against the Bills? People talk about that in a bit. <laughs> yeah, so I watched this game. They shut down Derrick Henry, which is a really hard task to do. I don't think he even hit 100 yards this game, if I'm if I'm right. Dude, he had 18 carries for 40 yards. Yeah, okay, so he didn't even come close to 100. Lamar Jackson, I think, finished with like 136. Yeah, he had 179 passing yards and 136 rushing yards. Yeah, so... They let Lamar come in and beat th- beat him with beat them with his legs. However, I do not think the Ravens are Super Bowl contenders. They need help at wide receiver. They have a lot of good running backs, including their quarterback. They have they have talent. They just need receivers to gel it all together. Because I'm sorry, Hollywood Brown, you're not good. You had one good year. You had one good year. And that's only because people were worried about Lamar Jackson's legs. So he would take the run and you'd be wide open. I think yeah, I agree with you on that. yeah, Tannehill collapsed. That they said, okay, Tannehill, we're gonna take out Henry, we're gonna make you win the game. And guess what, Tennessee? That's what a hundred million dollars gets you. Not a <laughs> not a damn thing, because he's only a game manager. He's not a quarterback. Yeah. So I want to talk about Lamar Jackson for a second. The narrative's coming into this one where he can't win a playoff game and he can't uh come from behind. And this one, he was down 10 nothing at the end of the first quarter, came back to win in the playoff game. He was shattering narratives despite not having hardly any help around him. Um, it, the next leading rusher on his team was J.K. Dobbins with 43 yards. Uh, there was only one receiver who had over 50 on the day. Who was that? This was, uh, uh, Hollywood Brown. Okay. Seven catches for 109. Okay. This was 100% the Lamar Jackson show. Lamar came to play, and that Ravens run defense completely shut down Tennessee as well. And that is really hard. They, they, after the last two games against the Titans, where they completely got out man, they wanted to prove that they were a physical, tough football team. And by golly, they did. They looked very, very impressive in this game. Um, And I, I thought it was kind of ironic at the end of the game when uh, the Ravens, after getting the pick to, enter, uh, to uh, steal things, end up dancing on midfield, similar to like what the Titans did uh, before their game during the regular season, which almost led to a vicious clearing brawl where Jim Harbaugh and Mike Brable almost got into it. 
So, um, or John Harbaugh and Mark Sprable almost got into it. So, um, I, I was about to say I Ron Harbaugh. Talked, yeah, John Harbaugh. I just got to say, this was a really impressive win overall from the Ravens. I think it's probably the most, in my opinion, the most impressive win all of your, from this team. Yeah, I agree. But my concern here is, did Lamar Jackson do too much? And is he going to be ready for next week against He's a really, ready. against a really good Bills defense though? He's always ready. We'll see. I mean, I don't hate the guy. I just think he runs too much and he doesn't run smart. Uh, moving back to Saturday's games in the primetime game, Tampa Bay played at Washington. And yes. It was close. Taylor Heineke. <laughs> I, I think you got yourself a job, buddy. Somebody has to sign that dude after that game. That dude yeah. was impressive. 26 and 44 for 306 touchdown to pick plus six carries for 46 yards in a touchdown. He was making plays. And you know who he honestly reminded me a lot of? Young Jake Plummer. Man, I thought you were going to say Tim Tebow. <laughs> no, young Jake Plummer. Plummer was better. Jake the Snake. Actually, he kind of reminds me of Josh Allen. Nah, he doesn't have a strong arm. That we know of. He doesn't have that many great receivers either. True. Uh, if you put Stefan Diggs on that team, I guarantee you that'd be another dynamic duo. True. But this Washington defense played well. And for Chris Yelling to call out Tom Brady, and even after the game, you could see him out there like, dude, I just wanted to play you. And like you sent me today, Tom Brady's message to Alex Smith after the game. That's all nice. That's all fun and games. Nice that you said it to him. But like I told you, I guarantee you, had they lost, he would have bitched and just walked off the field and, just, and wanted to say shit to anybody. Yeah. And here, here's the quote, by the way, uh, from Tom Brady. He was mic'd up for the wild card game. Here's what he said. I'm so effing proud of you, bro. You're effing unbelievable. You know that. You're an inspiration to all of us. You're unbelievable. Always here if you need me. And that's that great. great. That's great. I will say this. Tampa Bay's offense looked really good. Antonio Brown and Tom Brady, are they have that connection going now. You can see why Tom Brady wanted Antonio Brown. And it's come out that the only reason Antonio Brown is there is because of Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. It is... <laughs> It's heartbreaking because I really wanted Washington to win this game. But at the same time, you can't be mad. They played their hearts out. They literally played a quarterback who hasn't taken a snap in years. And he he gave it everything. He came back in after hurting himself, still came in, threw a touchdown. That touchdown that he ran, like he sacrificed it. He he literally sprawled out, hit the pylon just to score that. He, he put his blood, yeah. sweat, and tears into this game. And honestly, I think the only thing holding them back was the lack of the run game. Yeah, the difference in this game, so Heineke had himself a great game. Um, we already went over his stats. Problem was, for one, he was facing a quarterback that outplayed him, Tom Brady, uh, who threw for 381 and two touchdowns, no picks. But then also, the Tampa defense put a concerted effort to shut down the run game. Heineke had no help at all out of the uh, ground game. And Antonio Gibson only carried the ball uh, for 31 yards on day. With him not being able to get any kind of help, that put all the pressure on him. And while I think he probably could have won this game had he gotten, you know, decent effort out of Gibson, not having that just put way too much pressure on the guy that's not been in that situation before. Nothing against Heineke. It's just that was just well, a good play, uh, play calling by Todd Bowles, defense coordinator for the Bucks. This is a very, very good defense. And there's a reason why Todd Bowles is getting consideration for some head coaching jobs. 
uh, like one we will discuss here in a bit. Awesome. Yeah. So another narrative that I want to discuss is the fact that Heineke was on the Patriots for a little bit. And his first day there, he shows up at 545 in the morning, wanting to be the first one there to impress people. And he goes into the tape room and guess who's there? Tom Brady. So he sits down with Tom Brady and watches his game film. He's like, dude, that was just an amazing moment for me. And then you fast forward to now and he's starting against Tom Brady in a playoff game. It's just, it's crazy to see how, how things, the circle comes back around in certain scenarios. In the 425 game on Saturday, uh, the Rams ended up for the first time this season beating Seattle. And this one was ugly. You want to talk for a second about just how bad Russell Wilson looked in this game? I think it's probably the worst performance I can personally remember out of Russell. It's kind of hard to have a good game when you have like two seconds to throw the ball. Yeah, but still, he was only 11 and 27. I know. I watched. It was terrible. <laughs> the run game was going nowhere. That Rams defense is amazing. But the big question mark with that is, is Aaron Donald going to be able to play this week? Uh, Sean McVay has already said that, uh, barring something drastic, that uh, he is, is going to play. What about Cooper Cup? Yeah, that we don't know. I've not heard. They lost two of their best play. Well, okay, they may have lost one of their best playmakers if Donald can play. I mean, it was a rib injury. You could tell right off the bat. So that's that's really scary to throw him back out there and risk further injuring himself. But you're right. This Seattle was not prepared. I thought it was going to be a. I thought it was going to be close. This. It was not close. They scored it. The Seahawks scored it the, like the last play, last drive of the game to make it 30 to 20. Goff had to come in and play with a broken thumb because the the dude that was starting in place of him had a concussion after the second drive. Yeah, uh, John Wolford. Yeah. So they have to come in at 12 days after having surgery on your thumb and have three pins in your thumb. I think he yeah. played good enough. I mean, he didn't have to be amazing. Nobody expected you to be amazing. He still outplayed Russell Wilson. Yeah, he made some throws, but most of the throws were overthrown or underthrown, which I get it. You broke your thumb. It's cool. Yeah. But can he keep this up going into this week against the Packers, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think their season ends next week, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But impressive defensive performance, amazing defensive performance. If that defense didn't show up, the game would have been completely different. This came down to two things. One was the defensive performance completely shutting down Russell Wilson and making him look like a complete fool. Remember when earlier we were saying that uh, we should let Russ cook earlier this season? Yeah, but uh, he didn't do maybe shit. those calls were premature. Yeah. Also, at the same time, the Rams got a hell of a performance out of Cam Akers, uh, who has really come on strong as a rookie running back for this team. He had 28 carries for 131 yards and a touchdown. And He's really turned into a very solid playmaker out of the backfield. You have to hand it to the kid. Uh, at the beginning of the year, he was kind of in the log jam with uh, Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson. And we were wondering whether or not he was going to get enough snaps to be a productive player for this team at the draft slot that he was taken at. Instead, we're looking at him now being the offensive leader of this team. Given that Wolford had a concussion, Goff got injured, and yet they still managed to hang, uh, hang 30 points on the Seattle uh, Seahawks. That was a very impressive performance from him. And really, this has been quite an interesting performance from the entire team. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I, I've just got to say, this, this was one of Sean McVay's best coaching jobs. Finally, I agree. I agree. And also, do you think that performance puts him in discussion for rookie of the year, or do you think it's too late? Uh, I think it's too late because it's a regular season award. 
I just I didn't know if they looked at playoffs since they hadn't given out yet. I think Justin Jefferson is going to end up winning. Emma Robinson from Jacksonville. Yeah. Uh, finally, the last game was the Saturday game at noon, and this is honestly probably the best game of any of them. The Bills beat the Colts 27-24 in a thriller. What was your takeaway from the uh, Bills Mafia? Hey, Philip Rivers, baby, bye, bye, bye. <laughs> For the first Bills playoff win in 25 years. They played great. They stayed poised even when they were losing at first. They hung in there. Josh Allen looked really good. Stephon Diggs, again, amazing performance. And this defense is no joke. I think if any team is to hang with Kansas City, it's this team. And I think I think it's good that he finally got his first playoff win, and that's going to be good for him going forward. And it's just scary. They went 13-3. and three which I never would have thought would ever happen. And they beat a really good defense in the playoffs. Kansas City's defense is not that good. So if you make it that far and Kansas City makes it that far, you have a shot of winning. It'll be a shootout, but you have a shot. This duo of Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs is out of this world. And as long as they can keep those two there, a decent O-line and an average running back, they'll be set for years. There were two plays in this game that both got overlooked. Or one one got overlooked, one uh talked about that I think were really the turning points in this game. The first one, midway through the second quarter, Colts had the ball. Up 10-7, third and one, got stuffed in the backfield on the one yard line. Oh, I know what you're talking about. And then they went for it on yep. fourth down. Yep. And he overthrew. Yep. But that was one huge turning point where they knocked what was likely going to be seven points off the board. Yeah. And you take the three and you cut the board. Yeah. When the final difference was three points. The second one was on that ensuing drive, the Bills had the ball. They had a fourth and three, about the third, no, like 26 yard line. And, um, Josh Allen was able to pull up a hard count and get Kamoko Ture to jump off sides. That allowed that drive to stay alive. On that drive, Buffalo got a touchdown. They took the lead. They never looked back. Those two plays in particular, I think, are what this game came down to because this was tooth and nail the entire way. And it's really a testament to both Josh Allen for having the kind of game that he did, 324, two touchdowns, passing with uh, 54 uh, touchdowns on the uh, ground. But also to this Colts roster, who at one point was down 24-10 late and managed to come back and almost steal this game. Yeah. Uh, if this is the last that we've seen of Phillip Rivers, he definitely went out with a good game. Um, he went over 300 himself with two touchdowns on the And, you know, uh, for a team that we've been wondering about for most of the season, if they are on par with, if not better than Kansas City, for what we saw the Colts do against Buffalo, that says that not just are the Bills necessarily that good, but the Colts are pretty underrated themselves. Yeah. And they've got a very, very solid roster. This was a very well-played, hard-fought game. And you just this was not a game that the Colts lost. This was a game that the Bills won. I agree. And the biggest... The biggest concern I have going out of this is that the Bills lost their running back for the rest of the playoffs. Yeah, lost well, Zach Moss. Uh, they do still have Devin Singletary, though. Okay. Um, 
Moving on to our storylines, first one, biggest one by far, Doug Peterson's been fired at Philadelphia. Uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts on this decision? Personally, I think it's about time. Same. And I was watching Sports Center. I said it's like one of it's a rare occurrence because it comes just three years after winning a Super Bowl. And it's really rare that you find a coach getting fired three years after winning a Super Bowl. But this team was dog shit this year. Yeah. Not even dog. They were a flaming bag of dog shit. And I think it came down to the GM was looking at how to keep Wentz because if they kept Doug Peterson, there's there's like a 99% chance that Wentz is leaving. Well, they can't do anything with Wentz. If they were to trade him out, they'd have a $58 million dead captain. So they can't do anything with Wentz. That makes the decision kind of easy, especially when you consider that after Frank Reich, offensive coordinator for Philadelphia left, you look at how good the Colts have been since then, and yet the Eagles have been a 500 football team. I, I think that was just Howie Roseman, who's a very good GM, looking at, look, we probably need to get off both these guys, but it's going to be a lot easier to get off Peterson than it's going to be up, get off once. Yeah, because at this point, if you try to trade him, not a lot of teams are going to jump. I think you could get buyers. I just think that the dead cap hit would be too expensive. Well, if you trade him, you don't have that hit because they take no, off his contract. No, you still got that hit with the way that his contract structure, believe it or not. That's stupid. Why did it structure it that way? Because it's all, uh, all based on what day he's on the roster. Okay. Um, but yeah. yeah. But do you see him starting? What? Do you see him starting next year? Uh, I think he will be. Because in week 17 against uh, the Washington football team, Jalen Hurts flat out sucked. And the thing is with Carson, I think he's still a good quarterback. He still makes a lot of throws that um, a lot of quarterbacks don't make. And, you know, you think about last year, Carson Wentz, everyone was paying on him. He became the first quarterback in history last year to have a 4,000-yard passing season without a 500-yard receiver. Then this year, before he got benched, he was making Travis Fulgham a must-have fantasy starter for five weeks in a row. Travis Fulgham, who, newsflash, I host this podcast and also a college football podcast. I've never heard of the guy in my life. He's, he's got that ability to turn nobodies into somebodies. And, and that's not just something that you can teach. That's yeah. something you're born with. He's just got that natural gift of being able to elevate receivers around him. So I 100% um, have to say that that's a lot of uh, where this comes from Philly and why I'd be willing to give Carson Wentz another chance to start because I, I think he is worthy of it. Another coach that got fired was Brian Schottenheimer, offensive coordinator for the Seahawks. I thought this was really interesting because Earlier in the season, as I made a comment when we were talking about the Rams Seahawks game, we were talking about let Russ cook. And yet, as the season went on, it went away from letting Russ cook to a run heavy offense, and they completely lost their firepower. So I got to say, I'm not surprised that he got fired. Me neither. I think it was, you have to look at how badly they declined. And I understand why they tried to go back to an earning game because that's, that's normally where they focus on. They rely on the run game, and that opens up the play action and the RPOs for Russ. But at the same time, this offense drastically declined. I mean, they looked unstoppable at the beginning of the year. And then they went from that to barely putting up 20 against the Rams with an injured golf. 
So I'm not shocked. My 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 biggest intrigue is going to be who replaces him. Um, another uh, coordinator that's leaving, except this one is for different reasons. Chuck Pagano is retiring as Bears defensive coordinator, and he's been the Bears defense coordinator for two years. But the thing that he was best known for was the Chuck Strong Colts team, where uh, he had cancer and um, ended up having to leave the team temporarily, and the team ended up playing for him. Um, this guy, he's always been, in my opinion, a good coach, underrated coach. And, you know, it's, it's nice to see him ride off into the sunset and have the rest of his life to live. I just wish that he would have um, been able to go out with a better team than what he did. I agree. I mean, he had a good defense. It's just it's hard to maintain that that good defensive strength when you're on the field 80% of the game because your offense is going three and out all the time. But, yeah, it's nice that he gets it right off. But, yeah, I agree. I think it would have been better, like, making it far into the playoffs, at least. Not necessarily Super Bowl, but... Yeah. Um, now, on the other side of the uh, firing, you also have firings. And there was one that you sent to me that I thought was quite interesting. There's rumors of Urban Meyer coming back to the coaching ranks to be the new Jacksonville Jaguars head coach. Yes. Uh, you were the one that sent this to me. Do you want to expand more? Okay, so we had a meeting with Jacksonville, I think, either this upcoming Friday or last Friday. But he's already preparing a staff. What you don't do if you're not seriously considering this job, you don't call people and be like, hey, I'm, I'm highly considering this job. Be prepared if you're not really, really considering it. And honestly, why would you not consider it when they're about to get Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, I think this is really interesting because he's retired from two jobs uh, already, Florida and Ohio State, citing health concerns. So you have to wonder if he's actually able to do this or if he was just faking the health concerns. Um, I think so, because if you look at it, the health concerns at Florida didn't pop up until they were rebuilding and they sucked. Same with Ohio State. Those health concerns didn't show up until they went through that um where that coordinator was like abusing his wife and Urban Meyer like didn't do anything about it, that's when he retired. Yeah, but I, I will say too though, Urban Meyer's only 56. Yep. He is a very young guy. And we haven't seen a lot of him in recent years. So I think this would be a very, very interesting hiring if Urban were to decide to get back in coaching, especially given that there have been rumors that he might take the Texas head coaching job, but instead that ended up going to see, uh, Steve Sarkeesian after he turned that job down. Um, mentioning the state of Texas, Dan Quinn, former Falcons coach and the uh, coordinator for Legion of M, is going to be the new Cowboys defense coordinator. With him at the helm, how much do you think this lifts the overall profile of this Cowboys team, given that he's probably going to be able to put together a pretty solid defense? I think it all comes down to is Dak ready and how that injury is going to affect his performance going forward. But I will say their defense cannot get any worse. So but I'm, I'm glad Nolan got fired. I don't think he should have been a coordinator anyway. I understand why McCarthy did it. But at the same time, it's it's good that they moved on from him. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, this is – I think this is a really good hiring for the Cowboys. Um, if, assuming that his baseline is the middle of the back defense, and you add back a healthy Dak Prescott with what he was doing before he got hurt this year, you're looking at a Super Bowl contender. 
legitimately with this team. Uh, so going forward, I got to say, this is a really um, good hiring, and I'm interested to see what he's able to put together yeah. uh, with this Cowboys team. Uh, finally, we have one really fun storyline. Um, in uh, sad news, a couple months ago, of course, Alex Trebek passed away. We are now getting to the point where there are guest hosts on Jeopardy. Ken Jennings, uh, former champion, hosted uh, the first one, and he's hosting right now uh, on Monday. But we have a quarterback who has announced that he's going to be a guest host himself. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that's right. The Packers quarterback is going to be one of the guest hosts on Jeopardy. Come from a long time fans on the show, who might remember. Aaron Rodgers previously was on Jeopardy back in 2015 in an episode against uh, Shark Tank star Kevin O'Leary and uh, former astronaut Mark Kelly. In that episode, he won, despite missing the final question, which is pretty impressive. Uh, so I think it's going to be really interesting to see how Rogers does. I've always thought that he had the charisma and the uh, personality to be able to pull off a role like this. But it, I'm still going to be definitely intrigued to check it out and see how he does. Yeah, how many over under? How many times do you think he does a discount double check? <laughs> only way of doing double jeopardy, I'll tell you that. It's a discount double check, double jeopardy. <laughs> Sponsored by State Farm. <laughs> no, I think it's going to be interesting. I'll definitely watch. I'm interested to see who else will be guest judging as well or guest hosting. But yeah, I mean, just the fact that he won his episode shows you how smart these quarterbacks are. Like, I think football IQ definitely translates to IQ period. Because learning offense, learning plays, remembering plays, remembering like uh audible calls all this stuff it's 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 a lot it's a lot of work and it's a lot of memorization that you have to have and mentioning uh aaron Rodgers, let's go into our game picks for this week the first one is the packers on saturday will host the los angeles rams at home in green bay uh how do you think this game ends up shaking out i think green bay wins this i understand the Rams are coming off a great defensive performance. But how healthy is Aaron Donald right now? And also, this offense is really good. And I don't I don't see them being able to keep up offensively. I'm going to let the Packers here myself. For one, the Rams are just too banged up right now with Donald, uh, Goff, and Cup battling injuries. They're just way too banged up. Uh, secondly... This Packers team is one of the most well-rounded teams that I can remember Aaron Rodgers having because for once, he's actually got a legitimate top-notch running back with Aaron Jones. He's got probably the best receiver in the league with Devontae Adams. And he's got a defense. He's got good players at all three levels. There is something to be said for that. I think that gives the Packers a look anyway, but then the third thing that'll end up selling things, this one's at home in Green Bay. LA is not going to be prepared for the cold. We saw earlier this season what happened to the Titans when they were not prepared for the cold in Green Bay and they got curbstomped by the Packers. I think this one's going to end up with a blowout. 
Plus, um, if that finger is still really bothering Jared Gotham, which should be, the cold is going to affect that, which is going to affect his run mechanics significantly. Yeah. So uh, I, I think that's just a really, really, really bad sign for everything for the Rams. Um, moving on to the primetime game on Saturday night, the other game from the really cold weather city, the Ravens are traveling up north to face the Buffalo Bills. Do you think the Bills continue to circle the wagons, or do you think the Ravens pull off the upset? I think it's going to be close, but I don't think Ravens have enough offensively to keep up with this high-powered offense. And I think the Bills are good enough defensively to be able to check Lamar Jackson's runs. I'm going to say Bills by six. I'm going with the Bills here myself. Uh, Everyone's talking about the quarterback battle because it's Lamar Jackson versus Josh Allen. Here's the thing, though. Allen versus uh, uh, Lamar Jackson, in my opinion is dead even. So you have to look at the surrounding pieces, namely the defense and the receivers and the running game. Ravens have a better running game, but with Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley, the uh, two best receivers in the game are playing for Buffalo. Plus, Buffalo's got a better defense, especially when you consider Baltimore's pass defense versus the Bills' overall defense. I think this uh, sets up well for the Bills, and in the very cold weather game, I think they end up pulling it out and set up a big matchup next weekend for the AFC title game. Mm-hmm. In the other AFC playoff game, we have the Browns traveling on Sunday at 1 o'clock to face the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead. Um, Kareem Hunt has said that he wants this game, that his personal form. Do you think that calling out the Chiefs is a uh, bad move by him, or do you think that they're going to end up uh, pulling off the upset? I think it's a terrible move. You have to look at this high-powered Chiefs offense in any which direction you look, they can kill you from any way. You have to look at what they did last year. They can put up 28 points in six minutes. They have weapons on every side of the field. Their defense has stepped up tremendously this year when needed. And I don't I think the Browns are gonna be riding that emotional high. They're they're gonna feed, they're gonna have oversized egos and they're gonna get stomped. I'm going to go Chiefs, and I'm going to go Chiefs by 17. Well, I would love to see the Browns end up keep, uh, continuing their Cinderella run and being, you know, America's darling. It just isn't going to happen. They don't have the talent to match up with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. They don't have the leadership experience and the veteran experience to match up with uh, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid in games like this. And mentioning Andy Reid, you shared this meme earlier, and I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, Kareem Hunt, of course, tweeted out, bring on the Chiefs is personal for me. Um, the, the fake Andy Reid tweeted back, you think I wanted to cut you? Get real. When we drafted you, they said, let's get Kareem Hunt. I thought you were a donut. Never been so excited. You broke my heart twice. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, this is just, this is uh, elementary for uh, Reid and for uh, Mahomes. This one's going to get ugly. Uh, I'm a few Chiefs big. Finally, in the last playoff game at the 425 slot, we have the other NFC semifinal between the Tampa Bay Bucks and the New Orleans Saints. With two veteran quarterbacks, it's the first time in history that two 40-year-old quarterbacks have ever faced each other in a playoff game. What 40-year-old quarterback do you think gets to win here, Tom Brady or Drew Brees? I hate to say it, but I think Tom Brady. I think... The, the Chicago exposed the Saints last week 
and how close they kept it, even though Chicago was playing terrible 90% of the game. And this Bucks offense just keeps getting better every week. The connection between Brady and Brown gets better every week. Their defense stepped up big last week. Yes, they were playing Taylor and Heineke, but guess what? He played he played really well. And I think it's time for Tampa. I think it's gonna be a Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers showdown in the in the conference championship. Could not agree with you more, my friend. I got Tampa Bay here. For one, it's very hard to be a football team three times in the same season, and that's what the Saints be trying to do. Secondly, as you look at how the season's come along, Tampa Bay has gotten consistently better, whereas the Saints have dropped off quite a bit. I think that Bears game was very, very eye-opening. Additionally, I don't think that's really needs to be said, but we've seen the Saints choke time and time and time again in the playoffs. Yep. At the same time, who was the most court, most clutch quarterback in history? Tom Brady. Tom Brady. If you've got one, if you got two even teams, and you're going to come to me and say one team's got a history of choking, the other one's got the most clutch quarterback in history. What one do you think I'm going to end up taking? I'm going to take the clutch quarterback. Tom Golden Dong Brady. So all in all. I'm with you. I think this sets up a Packers Bucks uh, NFC Championship game, and I'm going with the Bucks to win. That's where I differ. Well, I think I think Green Bay will win that one. Well, that's all the time that we've got here uh, for this week. Thank you very much for listening in. I'm Justin Cox, Cameron Kennedy, and we are the Between the Uprights NFL Show.